What's going on, everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Mindify Crash podcast. Crazy that we're already here. It's a very exciting week for fight fans. UFC 253 is quickly approaching. Israel Adesanya, Paulo Costa, main event, title fight. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Insane. And today's guest is exactly where he needs to be because we're covering all the fighter topics. Training out of hooligans boxing and MMA, this man started his career as a wrestler and has since perfected the craft of mixed martial arts. In his spare time, he loves to train kids in both wrestling and MMA. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mason Butler. All right, bro, we're live. Thank you for being on the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you. Um, so what got you in MMA? That's probably the the most important thing I want to know today. Well, there's like a backstory on it. So, um, you know, I was always like the short nerdy kid with glasses growing up. And I was, I, you know, I moved all the time. My mom did what she could. And uh, so I was fighting constantly. And because um, I was always moving, no one knew who I was. And I remember I got in trouble. I landed in the principal's office. The The principal wasn't there. And the guy that was subbing in for the principal was actually the wrestling coach. My mom's like, what are we going to do with him? And he's like, well, get him a pair of wrestling shoes. I'll see him in a couple days. So, you know, I got into it. And um, I, I was real high strung. I was I was a spaz growing up, dude. I just like, I didn't know how to act. I was constantly getting in trouble. And so that's basically how it started. You know, a lot of the combat sports do start with wrestling. And for me, it did. And um, that's, you know, as the years progressed, that's kind of what it turned into. So getting into wrestling, um, obviously that kind of happened—a a miracle in itself. Um, did you take onto it like immediately? How did, how did that go? Oh, dude, I was trash, dude. I think I was like, I think I went two and two the first year I wrestled, and two of them were forfeits. Like I literally walked out there, there wasn't <laughs> nobody, and I just got my hand raised. Um, but then, uh, you know, I, I was—I'm glad I was in a good wrestling system. I. Uh, so my high school coach was Eric Burnett at Elyria High School. Total badass, by the way. Yeah, no doubt, dude. That, and that's who I uh, volunteer coach for today because I, the way that man goes about things, and it was way more grimier than what it is now. Um, you know, it, it was it was like blood sport in there. Like, we'd fight each other or whatever. I remember the one coach constantly had to break up two twin brothers that were constantly fighting each other in there. Um, but like, that's just, uh, that was the mentality that it was like, go, go, go. And we were like right on the cusp of like, um, you know, battling out with St. Ed's over years. And, and that's what started it was when I was there. That's crazy too, for a public school to compete with such a prestigious high level school overall, right. academically, you know, sports and, and you guys were toe to toe yeah. mean, for years. I mean, probably still so. This year, uh, we were ranked ninth in the nation. That's insane. And um, we lost the state duel by six points. And it was, literally came down to the last match. And I think we would have had a good shot at, at stripping Eds from their title run. Um, but COVID happened. You know, and I, I feel for a lot of the seniors, a lot of my buddies that wrestled in college, they all got shafted. Absolutely. And I, I, your heart has to go out to them. Anyone that knows someone that was affected by this kid wise. Oh man. You know, that has to suck. They put in all that work. They put in all that work for years and years and years. And, and some of those guys never got an NCAA championship or they were, or they didn't get that state championship. Some were going for two, right? You know, some were trying to build a legacy and it just completely got stripped for them. And there was nothing, 
that was on their end that they could possibly do about it. Right. And like now that I'm not going to say we're seeing the tail end of COVID, but like, how do you even bounce back from that? Like your high school career ends. What if that was the make or break for you going to college on a scholarship? Like, is there anything they can do to rebuttal now? I, I mean, I feel like what they did in their season leading up to it was definitely like collateral to speak to like different colleges and stuff like that to get a scholarship right. and everything, because it's not, I mean, it, it was, it wasn't like it was circumstantial. Everybody got hit by it, you know? So there right. wasn't, there wasn't like necessarily a, um, you know, like something that would be held against them for something that they couldn't control. Right. And scouters, I mean, think about the scouters, their recruitment got cut off. You know, they were done recruiting as soon as COVID hit. So it's not like they continue to pursue one athlete and not the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they still did, though. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. I'm st- I'm sure that they, you know, they still had their hands in the pot trying to figure something out about it. I, th- I feel like recruiters, just like on any level of fighting, sometimes could be kind of grimy. I mean, you know, you, you see people's characters over the years. In anything you do. Right. Absolutely. So just because you hear something about somebody doesn't necessarily mean it's true. But if you see the same actions being repeated over and over again and either like it's something shady or anything along those lines or they're sitting there promising or trying to build something up that it's not and nobody's getting anywhere either that's one of those things where you kind of have to look at that person and be like is this going to be legit or is it just kind of going to be a bust right and especially like in the fighting industry or wrestling whatever it may be like you're dealing with some badasses too so i feel like lying or being manipulative or crossing them the wrong way might not be the best bet yeah, I mean, you'd think that, but here's the th- <laughs> no, but here's the thing though. Like, anybody who does what I do, they're gonna turn around and have some sort of discipline about themselves. You got to be able to know when to pick and choose your battles, and is it is it gonna be worth it or not? You right. know, you could you could sit there and flake out and, and be some type of way about it, but at the end of the day, like people like to talk to. So if that goes around, how does that look on you? Yeah, you're by, absolutely right. By there. by them being shady or or they're just morally unsound, that doesn't say anything about my character. Right. What, how does that? I mean, that doesn't make me look bad at all. I'm still doing what I have to do, but at the end of the day, it's more or less of you know, it makes sense that people are going to view you as a certain type of way if it keeps happening with multiple people. Yeah, I definitely like that outlook too. That's a that fighter's mentality. You know, you got to keep grinding. I mean, you're always going to deal with shit. That's life. You right. know, people are going to be people, and and you know, sometimes I don't mind taking a loss if I don't have to deal with you again because I'm right. not taking a loss on that. I'm learning. I that won't happen again. Believe it. You That's know, a great outlook because there's always something to be learned. Oh yeah, always, always. So with with Burnett's. Did, is it called the barn or the farm? What is that? So it, it was the barn back in the day. And it, people, yeah, definitely go some backstory on that one. So there was a guy by the name of Johnny Piecraft who I wrestled with. His dad had a property out in LaGrange. And it was literally just a pole barn with mats in it. And when I was there, there was nothing but dogs, man. I mean, Logan and Hunter Stieber uh, that wrestled for Monroeville, Logan's now, a, uh, he was an Olympic gold medalist. 
You know what I'm saying? Crazy. And yeah, he was in there. Um, Lance and Colin Palmer were in there. Lance Palmer just won the PFL the past two years in a row on a million dollar contract, that fight tournament. Like the people that were in there were dogs. And I remember being in there and like we would wrestle and, you know, you'd have parents standing in there like spectating, like some kid would get like ran into the wall or be bleeding. And like, if the parents were getting like, they might've got hit, they would have like stepped off to the side and then just let them get at it. And then if there was like blood on the mat, somebody would just come over and wipe it up and you just still kind of keep going. Keep it going. Yeah. I feel like, uh, like, cause like even, even my buddies that went through f- maybe five years after you guys, like they would go there and it was a certain level of respect, but there was also like a certain level of, of high training athlete where you had to be some of the best to even get in there. Not necessarily. You didn't have to be the best to be in there. You had to be game to get in there. Okay. So you like you can go in there. Sure, you might get your ass chewed up. That's okay. But I mean, you get better from stuff like that. You know, if you're the biggest shark in the tank, you better find more water. And you know, sometimes you might step into some place and you end up being the the nail and not the hammer. And that's all right. You know, I mean, if you're doing that in training and not doing it when you're competing, and at least. You know, if you do everything you can in preparation to some of these things, I mean, yeah, you're going to you're going to take losses inside competition and outside competition. But you got to be like consciously aware to see these things to, to get better. Yeah, definitely. It, that kind of brings me on to my next my next question, um, you know, preparing for fights, a match. Um, where what kind of goes into that? Well, I mean, you definitely want to knock any sort of rust that you have. And you may, I mean, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, you know? So, but you still have to push yourself past those limits because you don't know what kind of limits you're going to be pushed into in competition. So you gotta, you gotta put yourself through some rigorous training on top of a weight cut. And that's what I wanted to talk about. And most of these guys are cutting weight. I mean, that's, that's huge in combat sports. Everyone's going to be cutting some sort of weight. Now, cutting weight is not fun. It's miserable. It sucks. But it's it's part of what it is. You know, the, the really, really hard training and the weight cut, if you do everything right, those are the hard parts. Right. The competitions, that should be the fun, you know, because you, you do all that prep. You put yourself through hell. And then you get to see that end, that end product. Yeah. And, and you know what? That's a double-edged sword, because what if you do all that and you don't pick up that W? Right. But like you said, there's something to learn there. Yeah, no doubt. You get right back to it. I heard a a fighter say before, too, like, everyone should experience a weight cut at least once in their life. It'll it'll completely... You'll reevaluate yourself as a person. Go. I I hear it does some things. Mentally, physically. I mean, it can fuck you up. Yeah, and like... So my girl, she, she doesn't even like to mess with me during a weight cut. She'll be like, you're just cranky all the time. And it's like, I, I, I'm, just, it's like I'm just trying to live. You know, it's like, you don't understand. Right. I'm just trying to not die here. I, well, at least I feel like I'm dying, you know? <laughs> Seriously though. So, so I was competing in a couple open college tournaments. Uh, what was it, about a year and a half ago? And I cut from 158 down to 133. Oh my. With how much time to prepare? I think I started cutting. <laughs> I think I was being a dickhead and started cutting like three weeks. 
Ooh, boy. Three and a half weeks. And I'm not, I'm pulling from nothing. Right. I ain't got nothing to pull off of. And, uh, you know, it's not bad getting the initial down, but when you're down to that last five to eight, it's miserable. And the training is still going to be the training. I remember my coach, I wrestled back to back. He made me, brought in some wrestlers up at Hooligans MMA, brought in a couple guys that were good high school wrestlers and they can still move, they can still get it. I wrestled seven or eight matches, full seven minute matches, back to back to back to like back. Some gladiator yeah, shit. yeah, I was literally shark bait. But wow, is that what that's called? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so that was that's the type of conditioning that you put yourself through to you know because when you get to this point, like it, it's crazy. So you, you do all this and you'll be like driving home, like I won't even turn on the radio. It's like a sense of meditation. Like I'm just driving down the highway, like blank stare, and I literally feel like I'm out of my body and I'm looking down the highway because you know at that time in the winter it's dark. Yeah, about six o'clock hits and I'm like. I feel like I'm reevaluating all my life choices at this point. Like, why am I doing this? Right. You're in some sort of uh, fucked up Zen mode. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Like I have always noticed um, watching my buddies come up like a a lot of the times I feel like that that main push on the weight cut happens like within those 48 hours before weigh ins. And I've also heard like there's never enough time when cutting weight. You could know months in advance, and it still sometimes feels like there's not enough time. Yes and no. How is that, those final 24 hours, 48 hours leading up to a weigh-in? I never did that to myself. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. No. Yeah, but, like, here's my thing. I wouldn't do that to myself because I know what kind of toll that takes. Like, I I would cut a substantial amount of weight. Say if I'm, like, a week out, I'll, I'll eat, like, heavy, and I'll carb out. You know what I'm saying? I'll get some energy to get the battery recharged to go back in and then make that final push. So this this was my day when I had was cutting weight towards the end of it. I'd wake up, literally take a shot of pre-workout to start my day because I didn't want to drink anything to give right. me caffeine to get my day started. Um, I was sucking on Jolly Ranchers all day at work. And, but before this all started, so in the morning, I'd wake up and take a hot bath as hot as I could stand it. And you'll lose one to three pounds doing that. That's so crazy. It's crazy to me. So I'll wake up, I'll sweat out one to three. I'll check my weight. I'll go about my day. I'll eat lunch depending on where I'm at. And then after I get off work, I'll go train either. I either I'm going to go on the elliptical. Um, I'm going to go roll. I'm going to go spar, do whatever to get some more weight off check my weight again, go home. I'll take another bath to lose another one to three. And then I'll eat at the end of the night when I know where my weight is. Right. As, as long as you're where you need to be. So I'm working, so I'm working a construction job, sucking on Jolly Ranchers, miserable as shit, trying to keep my composure. Cause I'm not trying to flake out on everybody at work. Cause it's not their fault. This is my choice. Right. Right. And then I got to go train afterwards. And then I get home and I just want to eat and like, just chill out for a second and try to like, you know, try to reel it back in. Right. Because at the same time, like I, that has to turn you into somewhat of a savage and animal cutting weight like that. Um, and I understand, I, I don't say, I can't say I've been there, but I definitely understand that, uh, that's got to pull a, a different being out of you to commit to something like that. No, it does. It's one of those things where, you know, like I said, you start to really 
figure out who you are and, and you realize that like, yes, this stuff is physically tolling, but mentally, emotionally, all the underlying stuff, that's, that's where this stuff can make or break people. Right. And I just saw, actually saw a post from you not too long ago. Um, and you're getting, uh, you're getting the gloves on, you're wrapping up and you're, you're talking to the guy holding the pads and yeah. you, and you kind of had an awesome, you know, backstory to that. Yeah. Of just like, that's where you kind of get a lot of that venting out. And I, and to me, I think that's awesome. There's like that, that brotherhood teamwork vibe to it that I think that that something like that is positive for your mental health as well. Yeah. There's a, you know, there, there's an understanding, there's a camaraderie, um, you know, there's a respect for that because you, you know what it entails and, and you know what people go through and, and you know, this, this stuff isn't for everybody. Right. And a lot of people won't understand where you are at that time. Um, it, it's just like people who battle anything in life. It, you need somebody to understand who you are to kind of help you along the way. Right. You Someone know? that's been there themselves. Right. right. Or, or at least has a very good conception of it. Exactly. And, um, yeah, you know, we sit there and we, you, you talk and you talk about life and, you know, it, not only does it kind of, it, it's a way of venting, but it, it's therapeutical. It's like, it's like, I'm, I'm getting charged couch time. Like he's my shrink or something. Right. You know what I'm saying? You'll slide him a 20 after. after right. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. But that's, that's the type of stuff that people don't see. Right. And I, I think that's awesome. That kind of makes me want to ask too, like, what do you think it is that can make or break a, a mixed martial artist, a, a fighter in general? What, what do you think there's those things where they they might get in and they're said, Oh fuck this, not for me. There's multiple things, multiple, you know, people might have families and then they got to realize it's like, look, am I, am I doing what I have to do to provide for my family? You know, they may have kids or an old lady or whatever, you know, and they, and they got to make the, this is a choice. These are sacrifices that you make doing this because nothing's, nothing is guaranteed in any of this. And, and if you do get to a high level, that's due to the sacrifices you already put in. Right. High and risk, high reward. People don't want to put in those sacrifices. People don't want to put in that work too. You know, I tell a lot of the people at the MMA gym that, that I'm at, or in general, kids that I coach, I'm like, I don't, I personally don't do stuff because it's fun or I like it. I do it because it works. And it's not necessarily, you know, you don't, you don't get no instant gratification out of stuff like that. You just don't, you just have to stay disciplined and realize it's like, okay, by me doing this, I'm going to get a little bit better. I'm going to get a little bit better. And those sacrifices, they take a toll on you. And that's, that rides with your emotional and your mental health as well. So you got that. And then you have, you know, you have people gassing you up. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they, they gas you up to get you like, put you on a pedestal higher than what you are. And you start buying into that. Now there's not a, now there's a difference between buying into yourself and realizing what's like, yes, I put in this fucking work. Right. I should be here. I deserve to be here. And then having people telling you that to the point where you're believing them. You're buying into the hype. You're buying into the hype. Which is a scary place to be. And, and man, 
you know, personally, like I've, <laughs> I've never been someone that people hyped up, dude. I was just always game. I was always getting after it. And, yes. um, you know, you, you have to have a sense of humility in this. You do. Otherwise, when you do get humbled, how, how far are you going to fall? Are you going to be able to handle it? Mentally? Right. 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 And you got that. And then, of course, money, greed comes into it. People want to talk about like, well, I'm not I'm not going to cut all this weight for for scraps or I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. If you, It's just like me coaching. It's just like any person coaching. If you're doing it for the money, you're in the wrong industries. Because guess what? A lot of these people that are I personally can look at as legends they're not fucking millionaires, dude. Right, right. They're not. They're not. But they they enjoy what they're doing. They have a passion for what they're doing. So then again, if you don't have that passion, that drive to keep you in there, you kind of have to question. That's when guys start to question, and that's why their careers will fizzle out. And I think that, like, that might be... I definitely understand it, but I think that, like, that might be such a pivotal moment for anyone in anything in life, like is the is the passion greater than the money long term? I want to look back on my life and know that I enjoyed it. Right. Not that I have accumulated a bunch of bullshit. Right. For what at the end of the day? Well, so I definitely I, what's, I can relate. What's what's monetary shit, anyways, dude? You're not taking that shit to the ground. No, I'm not gonna have a U-Haul fall on my damn hearse, dude. You, <laughs> that would be lit, though. That's, yeah, you might be honest. No doubt. There. I mean. Unless it's like a disco bus. If it's a disco <laughs> bus, I'm good for it. Well, I'm going to fucking be there then. All right. <laughs> Have a party. Right. But, you know, you got to look at it like this, man. Legacies aren't built off of anything monetary. It's what you're willing to leave behind when you're gone. Yeah. So if I'm able to impact somebody or, or you know, help them out along the way, and I, and I don't I don't need the props. I don't need the recognition. I don't care about that. You know, that's... I mean, it's nice to be appreciated, but I don't have to be publicly appreciated, you know? Right. right. I'm just a guy, dude. I'm just a normal guy doing something that he likes to do. And at the end of the day, I feel like if you're like that, that that's what's going to keep you in a place that's consistent. Right. And it's going to just, it's going to keep you sane. It's going to keep you happy. That I think that's, the most important thing. Uh, we got a lot more things to talk about. We'll be right back into it. All right, bro. So UFC 253 this Saturday. What do you think about everything going on? Well, it's going to be cool because you got uh, John Jones. He's not vacated the title. He moved up the heavyweight. So that's exciting in itself. And then you got two guys and Reyes and Jan uh, Blankowicz. And, um, you know, it just really depends on who's hungrier. And you see Jan, he's got the knockout power. He's there. You know, he, he's definitely relevant. But you also saw Dominic Reyes take Jones. Take it to him, bro. Take Jones. I personally thought he won that fight. I, so did I. And I, I think he did. You, you know he did. Because yeah. he was shocked when, yeah. when that decision and came out. I, I And I think one of the judges scored it 49-46. I'm like, what What fight were you watching that was right. 49-46? That was uh, Dominic Reyes is a fucking badass too. Against like all odds, assuming going to the NFL and then making it as far as he has in the UFC, the dude's an animal. That fight alone, 
continuously defending, stopping takedown attempts, right. beating him, taking it to him. John Jones was fucking shook at one point. Yeah, and, and you know, I personally think that the only person that took him that far was Gustafson. Was Gustafson one? Thank you. I I, I love Gustafson. Long-term, like, overall fighter. Yeah, he's very... I, I don't know, like... I, I'm surprised that man hasn't had as much hype as he had. Seriously. You know, and... um he's he's older now you know this happened in 2000 what was it 13 13 was the a first long one? time ago yeah so for that alone it's yeah reyes is the real deal and then you look at now this is what i like so you have you have style bender you have israel adesanya and you look at him and he's just doing what he does which is awesome right now look what happened with the fight with Yoel Romero. Romero, it didn't even seem like he was there. And he, you know what? He's a, a Olympic silver medalist for Cuba. Did not did not utilize any wrestling throughout that whole thing. But then you have Paulo Costa who had a fight with Romero and it was toe to toe and they Dog were fight, and dude. they were slugging it out. And I remember watching this and I was just like, these guys are smacking each other around. <laughs> I was just in shock, and but you know that was a close fight. And th- to be honest with you, in my opinion, that should have just been a draw. That was a that was a fucking dog fight, dude. That should have just been a draw. And but you know you know how it is. It, it, they don't want to, f- especially having with, a number one contender spot on the line. They're definitely not. No, they're not. They're not playing that bullshit. No, but to be honest with you, that could have went either way. So. How is Adesanya going to answer Costa if Costa was shifting gears and kept his foot on the gas like he did with Romero? Right, because they both fought him. So in some ways, they know what to base each other off of. Right. You know, aside from so much film, it's going to be, I think, a legendary fight. I think it's going to be one of the fights that I put up here on this wall because it's going to be a great one. I mean, even the the co-main event, main event, both going to be fucking fire, dude. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with that fight? It's, uh, you know, I like guys like Adesanya because he reminds me of Anderson Silva. Yes. He reminds me of, there's a Bellator fighter that I like a lot named Michael Venom Page. And he's very, he moves just fluently like, like they do. And, and you know, another name I could say, but you know, he hasn't really proven himself is Sean O'Malley. I love Sugar. I love I, I, him, I like dude. him too, but you know, he, I think he bought into some hype. He a hundred percent there a hundred percent because he took that loss worse than anyone I've ever seen. But people were sleeping on Cheeto. I'm sitting there with a whole bunch of my buddies. I'm like, no, man, that's I said, a bad motherfucker. I said, I'm telling you, dude, I said, Cheeto might take it to him. And they're like, no, nah, man. And like somebody wanted to put money on it. I'm like, no, nah, I just want to watch it. And I should have put money on it. Right. I would have bet against O'Malley <laughs> on it. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, those are the type of guys that are, you know, they're determined to win, though. Yeah. Those it, dudes are relentless. It, yeah. And they wait for you to sleep on them. Sleep on me, and I'm going to put you to right. sleep. And, and you can't do it's that. It's crazy. You can't do that. That fighting style, I think, is hands down one of the funnest to watch, though. That it's like an unorthodox kickboxer. You just don't know what's coming next. So many moves in their arsenal. You don't know what they're going to throw, how they're going to throw it, and when they're going to do it. 
It's crazy. They'll pick people apart. You, you don't know because every all their punches, if you look at all of them, you know, they they have like the similar body movements and stuff, but their punches are just firing straight off the shoulder. Like they'll just have a hand up and then a, a one or a two is getting just rocketed out and, and it's landing with accuracy. Like these guys, Deadly. these guys are not sitting there throwing the throw. They're throwing because they know they're going to hit you. Yeah. Like they're, they have fucking daggers in their hand yeah. or something. It's insane. Yeah. And people question Adesanya as if he's he's weak handed, you know, like just like they do with Diaz. They'll they'll talk on him until they get in that ring and they catch what he's got. I mean, that's fine. But at the end of the day, the the fight is still being judged by points, by a point system. If you're piecing somebody up entirely and controlling the round and, and staying aggressive and doing everything you have to do. Um, and not only that, but defending against what the other guy is putting up against you. Yeah. You're going to win. You're going to win. So at this point you have to beat him to get uh, beat him. You have to put him to sleep. You have to choke him out at this point from what we've seen for you to get that title. Right. Other than that, it's not going to happen. You got to beat the champ to be the champ. And is it going to go? Is it going to go into those championship rounds? Like, that that makes or breaks a fighter. And I remember Adesanya when he started to get into that to that realm and he held up. And that was just an amazing Before thing. Before that see. round started, oh, he goes, my. I'm prepared to die. I love it. Yeah. I love that. And that gave me goosebumps. That yeah. gave me I got fired up. And I think as a fan versus a fighter, so me versus you, I don't always think about that. Like it is a points game too. It's yeah. a, it's it's strategy. It's strategy and skill. And you gotta you got to win by any means necessary. Yeah. So find out what the, what the skill set is, score points. Well, you're playing chess too. Put them down. A lot of these guys aren't shifting gears until that second round because they're 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 figuring out their head movement. They're figuring out their patterns. They're figuring out what what side they're going to. Now, the way I see it is the first round's a feeling out round. You know, you're gonna you're and gonna a lot f- of fighters feel that way. Yeah, but I mean, okay. So, but I have to feel like you have to be rounded enough. If you have, okay, say if you're fighting a striker and he's starting to pick up on it, okay, how's your grappling? How's your cage work? Are you going to be able to put pressure on him to start or crowd him to the point where he can't throw what he wants to throw and make him uncomfortable? As soon as you start making someone uncomfortable and outside of their zone, that's when they start to slip up. But if you get somebody who's well-rounded, they're just going to shift to something else. And then at that point, as both fighters are shifting through all this, they're not in their wheelhouse of what they're used to doing. They have to utilize and and face adversity and be like, okay, what can I do to win this fight? And then at this point, it's who is more prepared, who has the better, who has the better answers to these problems? Cause you're playing chess. You ain't playing checkers. Fuck Yes. Yes. That's what I, in my opinion, makes John Jones so deadly because he's such a versatile fighter. Uh, stand up on the ground, in the clinch, he's deadly, and you don't see many fighters that are just well rounded. You got to get out of your comfort zone. You you have to step out of your comfort zone in fights like that. Who's outskilled? Who who trained harder? All right. It's, it's crazy to me. And, and for me, you got to think, man, I wrestled for 18 years. I've been doing this on and off for 18 years, but majority of it I have. So 
like, yeah, like I did a lot of street fighting back in the day. That's just what I grew up kind of, you know, that's just the type of shit I got into. But what was that like? Well, let me let me touch base on this real quick. So think about this. So I got to get out of my comfort zone. Right. So I, I can fight. I don't have a problem getting punched in the face. But now I'm doing it in a disciplined manner against somebody who is formally trained. So guess what? I have to learn how to formally box. I have to learn how to utilize my striking the best of my ability. Now, is my boxing anywhere near my grappling? I personally don't even think it's close. But and that might be me being more cynical on myself than than what I need to be just because, you know, that's that's how fighters are or wrestlers or whoever who is in combat sports. You're always going to be your worst critic because you're like, damn, I could have did better. I could have trained harder. Right. I could have did these things better. But then again, I have to be able to work through that to get to that spot where I'm just like, man, wh- what are my weak points? So so I can get back, you know, if I if my back gets pushed against the wall, am I going to be able to push back and not kind of be like a fish out of water on it? Right. Or just simply just fucked. Right. For lack of better words. You yeah, know? no doubt. Um, that's it's crazy because you want to kind of even everything up. So it's hard as a as a fighter, depending on where you're at mindset wise. But you do. You have to look at, at your weaknesses but you don't want to expose those weaknesses. You just want to make them stronger. You want to capitalize. That's got to be hard. I think as a man, as a fighter. Nobody wants to admit they suck at something. At anything. At anything. No, but you know, that's where you got to put that pride and that ego shit out the way, man, and just handle it to get better. Absolutely. I absolutely agree on that. And I think that anyone listening to this, that's just life advice. Oh, no doubt. For sure. Uh, you did mention street fighting, though. I definitely, I, I need some backstory on that. I gotta know. All right, so, like growing up, you know, my mom lived in a different town than where I was actually living with my grandparents. You know, it was just like I kind of had a weird childhood, but it wasn't weird. It wasn't terrible. It was just like the the whole um, dynamic of it was unorthodox, more or less. You know, okay. so. I would go hang out with these guys and we would literally go drink, smoke, do whatever, you know, kids just partying right. and we'd bare knuckle box. So this was, this was me as like a 15 year old kid, probably weighing no more. Let's see. What did I wrestle? 119. So I was maybe walking around at 125 pounds and we, and there were other wrestlers and other people that uh, we hung out with that would literally just bare knuckle fight each other. That's a different beast, dude. Bare knuckle fighting is a different beast. And I don't think that people realize what to to throw punches, to take punches, what that what that feels like and what that does. Oh yeah. It's you know, sometimes sometimes you'll be cool and then you'll get your bell rung and you'll be like, Oh shit, we're here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. my bad. Let me let me wake <laughs> up for a second and, and that's what it is. So, you know, and I had I had options to go to college, um, but I didn't do it. You know, 15, around that time, I ended up getting an F2 robbery charge. And uh, I was uh, actually looking to go into the service because I was in a JROTC program, and they didn't even want to touch me. I was looking to go into the Navy, and they didn't want to touch me. And I knew if I would have went to college, I would have partied it away. So uh, I ended up getting a construction, and I was was a roofer. And, you know, you worked. I, I worked hard, and I played harder. And 
so like 2021 there was a couple guys that were like you know intermixed from uh Cuyahoga and Lorraine counties that wouldn't have like these underground fight clubs and shit and they were what we refer to them today as smokers you know i mean it's unsanctioned fighting you go in there you, you get somebody who's matched up with you your weight and you put on gloves throw in a mouth guard and you basically slug it out and you know there's no real restrictions on it uh not too many people really talked about it and you could place wagers on yourself you could place wagers on other people and i would literally go in there go out and party and then go in there and fight man I mean, with no formal training, just maybe that's just, the scary thing. You don't even know. Do you, you don't have to time to study your opponent. You're just going in. Fuck yeah. it. Blind. I had a wrestling background and that's what helped me. And are they, are they okay with the ground and pound? And oh, yeah. okay. Oh yeah. I, like I mean, they, they legitimately ran it. Like it was a, like a MMA fight. And you know, I, the last time I fought, cause I ended up getting hurt was against a guy that had a jujitsu background. And I took him down, didn't know anything about it, and he messed up my shoulder. Like a fucking snake, huh? Yeah, dude, I didn't know. And I was like, and you know, I didn't I didn't go in there cocky, but I just went in there knowing what doing what I know. Right. And, and I and I paid dearly because I didn't know enough. But like you said though, that that humbles a fighter. That oh, yeah. there's a humbling experience there. Uh, a painful one, but you know, that's that's insane to me. I didn't ever knew they were called smokers either. Well, I guess. I mean, there's a lot. There's so. What's the best way I can put this? So a uh, a fight club, um, could fight another fight club, um, and it wouldn't be an unsanctioned. It would be an unsanctioned event, and, uh, you know, it was kind of in house type deal. And these and these go on today still, and there's been quite a few that have been going on due to COVID because boxing is open right now, but MMA isn't because it, I mean, a lot of these leagues are, they are self-funded type leagues and they make a lot of their money at the gate. They're dependent on that. Yeah. They're making money off the people coming in. So if there's nobody coming in, they're not going to be able to cover the overhead of all this stuff going on and to pay fighters. Right. It, yeah. That's, that's gotta be a nightmare. So, so a lot of clubs have been holding smokers and they're low key and you know, um, if you're going to go do it, good for you. Uh, just from, from where I am now, like I've been on both sides of it. What I did back then was, you know, it, there was no honor to it. Yeah. You know, it was just kind of like, I, I don't view it as I view it now. I don't view it as being, you know, what it is for what an art form. Yeah. Right? For yeah. what I did back then, it was kind of just like a hillbilly brawl type thing. You know what I'm saying? And, um, no, but Clubs are doing that now, and the scary thing is not only could a club get shut down, but if a fighter gets caught in there, they could be banned or barred. And that's that's scary to get like blacklisted from fighting, right. doing something that you you love, and it's taken from you. I mean, that, that has to be a tragedy in itself. Right, and that's not something that, um, you know, if anybody's pursuing an actual career, 
you, you don't want to you don't want to get your career started like that you know i mean right do it the right way the jorge masvidal or the kimbo slice way. well that's when all that was big that's <laughs> right. when i was doing that that I shit mean, was crazy shit, back man then, i was bro. watching kimbo videos at like 17 years old 18 years old and, and i was just like this is nuts dude and, you used to take them to the chin bro and, oh no doubt and that's what we did because like you know i mean this was back before social media got big YouTube was a thing and yes. you know you got to think what were what were some of the staples on YouTube it was like Kim Kimbo slices fights unforgivable unforgivable uh, <laughs> yes. and, and just other random videos that just made you laugh and there was just like some things that were just uh, that were just impressionable and nationwide everyone knew it it's crazy before social media how you could ask anyone anywhere in the world and they know those videos yeah it's just it's it's fascinating you can literally stand in front of people and be like i want a chicken sandwich and some waffle fries for free and people and start Dr. Pepper. and a toxic pepper to drink. <laughs> Bitch, you ain't no nerd. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like people just know those lines. It's just like almost like some of those iconic skits from like SNL or Mad TV right. that people know. You yes. Know? And I think that like when we get older, that shit we'll talk about and kids will be like, What are you Why saying? Why did you think this was funny? Why do you think old Greg's funny? I'm right. like, it's hilarious. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's crazy, dude. I miss that shit. It was so good. We're gonna have to watch that later. <laughs> So, have you ever seen the movie uh, Out of the Furnace? Have not. Dude, so you called it a smoker, and I put all this together. Um, the movie's called Out of the Furnace. Christian Bale, Casey Affleck. This is a bomb-ass cast. Uh, Woody Harrelson. And basically, they're they're street fighters. Casey Affleck's Christian Bale's little brother. He gets out of the war. He comes back from Iraq, and he starts street fighting, underground fighting. Woody Harrelson's a fucking tweaked out meth junkie running the fights and shit gets bad. I'm guessing that smoker term is hence where the name out of the furnace came from. Could have been. Definitely check that out though. That movie is fire. Super fire. Never heard of it, you know, but like this stuff's been going on for centuries. Think about all the gypsies and stuff over in Europe that would literally go around on caravans and just go underground and just fight. That's what they did. They would bet against themselves to make mm-hmm. money to live. And t- probably the townies would come and watch. And, oh, and, yeah. It was a spectacle. It. Yeah. Traveling like and cir- fighting. Yeah. It was like the circus coming to town. That's what it was. It's crazy. Have you ever seen on YouTube? Um, I don't even know where it is. I don't want to say Africa and sound like dumb um, where they they wrap their hand with like a like a rope. Only one hand, and they fight with the, just the I've one seen, hand. I've seen and similar. And they block with the other. Yeah, I've seen similar stuff like that. Um, that shit looks crazy, dude. Yeah, dude. And, and, you know, it reminds me of, like, some of the boxing training guys will do. So they'll step inside a tire, and you have one foot in front in the tire. And you have to, you can't let that foot go that's in the tire get out of the tire. So you're literally banging out in a phone booth. With someone. With someone. That, fuck, dude. Fuck yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen the ones where they where they uh, tape the hands to the table? They're, what? So they're like, they're, so there's a guy standing across from the other guy, and you know those like slap videos or the arm wrestling competitions where you know they're right across from each other. Well, they tape a hand to a table, and then they're punching the guy over the table. I already know that table's coming up off the ground if that bitch no, isn't screwed I, in. I, no, it's bolted. They <laughs> lag bolted that thing down. That's fucking awesome. We're going to have to watch that here in a second. 
what like who thinks of these things you know? know well and i don't know if you ever seen this either so russia had this thing it was somewhere it could have been russia ukraine i'm pretty sure it was russia where it was five on five mma fights so it was a team of MMA. i have seen that i actually i've seen bits and pieces and there's like and there's like obstacles like it's uh like it's american ninja warrior meets ufc <laughs> and you'll just see like some two guys jump in one guy and you'll see some guy come out of nowhere and just clip the shit out of them. And just, you're like, this is so, so dangerous. So entertaining to watch though, but definitely dangerous. I could not imagine what in the world, dude, that's the closest thing that you'll get to a competition in, in, in a street fight that I've seen. Like it literally looks like one of those fights that happens out in the projects or the lunchroom or something, right, right. you know, it, it's just like one of those straight brawl. Too. Yeah, it was awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so let's go back to the UFC. I want to know, what is your favorite UFC fight of all time? I got a few of them. We did speak about the Gustafson Jones one. That yeah. fight, I I really, really, really liked that fight. It was just, it was entertaining from start to finish. Um, that Izzy versus Whitaker, if you want to talk modern day, that was really good. That was just, that was back and forth. And that was one of those times where it's like, damn, is, is this hype train? Is this a hype train that Izzy's on right now? Is he going to lose? Right. Like you just didn't know. Um, Izzy's, oh man. And, uh, I'll tell you what, man, Zhang Lee versus, uh, Yoana. That, and I love Yoan. That was Whoa. that was a fight. That was that was. To be honest with you, I don't see another fight being that good the rest of the year. And when they just asked your boy, they said, "Are you the most respected person?" Where are they from? Uh, Poland. Yes. He said, "Do you think that that was debatably the the best fight that Poland's ever had?" And he goes, "No." And he paid his respects to Joanna. I mean. Think about what she did. She took that entire class by storm, and it just immediately gone. Yeah, it, that's it's that's crazy, dude. Her forehead, dude. Her forehead. That was so fucking was crazy. Literally twice the size of what it was by the end of it, and she still kept throwing, and she still kept pressure. She's a beast. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. And then I, I'll tell you what. Even though like we spoke about that earlier too, was that Romero Costa fight. I really liked that fight. That was really good. Um, I do like the Silva uh, Weidman fight. That is a iconic, but also like painful moment for yeah. a lot of for a lot of fans, like right. long term fans. Um, man, that was it, it's crazy. Nobody saw it coming, and, and you know that's why. You know, you showboat after, not during. Right. And that's just what he was known for. I get it, but did it, was it sometimes, worth it? Sometimes you got to fucking pay the man to do that shit, dude. Right. And he paid that day. And then he went on to just be a fucking animal after that. No doubt. All around animal. Yeah, because it flips the switch. Right. It flips the switch. You know, you, you get into a spot where you're like, I will not let that happen again. Yes. That won't happen again. Right. And and if something does happen, at least it won't be that. As a, as a fan of the sport and now, to well, watch. Let me talk about this. You said my favorite fight. My favorite fight that I wish continued was Ferguson versus Pettis when Pettis broke his hand. So 
Who was uh who was the official on that fight? I can't remember. I okay. just want to say it was Herb Dean. Okay. I didn't know if it was Yamasaki. And that's something else I want to talk about was when he started making some crazy calls. Yeah. You know, he 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 called that one fight a DQ by punches to the back of the head, rewatched it, and there was, in fact, no punches. That was insane. And, and Dana White's, con- he's definitely commenting on poor officiating or poor judging. Right. Like, he'll call it as it is, which is respectable. He isn't backing his guys. He's like, no, he's like, you fucked up, and we're going to address it. Right. So that's cool. But I'll tell you what, that, that Pettis-Ferguson fight, it was awesome. It was a bloodbath. It, I love Pettis. It was every- Ferguson's a fucking madman. He is insane. He's just, he scares me. Yeah, like, my favorite thing is, and, and there's so much respect that he did this. I can't remember who backed out of the fight. Oh, it was Khabib. The Khabib fight oh, right, got canceled. Oh, right, 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 And he still continued and cut the weight and made weight when he was supposed to make weight. Hats, yes. hats off to you. Hats off to you. Because he's a fucking madman, yeah, bro. Yeah, that's dedication. That's what it's about. Even though you don't have to do something, you do it anyways. Right. Uh, Nurmagomedov is a smothering animal, though. Um, I have never seen someone display such, you know, high-class wrestling ground and pound ever in the UFC. What's your opinion on on Khabib? It's literally, it's where he came from, man. It's, you know, Dagestan's been pumping out high-level athletes, but I don't feel like they get as much recognition as what they should. Um, because you got to think he's 28, 28 now, right now. Right. And like, he just started getting hype a few fights ago. It's like, which he, is crazy. Right. Right. You go that far without taking an L that says something in itself. And to just straight harass people on the ground. Like there is nothing soft about what he does. Once he gets you on the ground. No. And, and you know, he grinds you. He wears you out. Oh, my. And he's always gassed. He's ready to go. Yeah. That tank does not. It's like he's a fucking hybrid. Right. You know, he does not go on E ever. The real question is, is how is he going to be after his dad died? And my heart goes out to him. Yeah, I no doubt. so bad. I mean, that guy put him. That's in... a mental. That's you got to overcome that obstacle. Right. Not that's only was that question. your coach, it was your dad. Seriously. But so like, what do you. So where is he going to be from here? Is he is he. Is that fire gone or has it turned up tenfold? And I would love to to see him turn it up even more. You know, people people use pain different ways, dude. People use adversity different ways. You know, I, I got back into this because, you know, you know this and I don't care about talking about it. But, you know, I've been sober for almost four years. And I remember I'm sitting there watching the fights and I'm in a rehab center. I'm sitting there watching the fights. I'm like, I'm going to think I'm, I'm going to get back into that one day. And my one buddy, you know him too. Um, he goes, man, you're too old. Man, listen, dude. That I, so, I do shit out of spite sometimes. Right. Not, to, not, I'll show you, not, motherfucker. Not, not, not out of ego. Not out <laughs> of whatever. But it's like I've always used, you know, certain things. Pain, um, doubt. doubt, stuff like that. Because you know what? Now you put something in my brain. Now I want to know. Now I want to know if what you say is true. And, you know, so far it is what it is. And I'm going to keep operating like that, even though, it, you know, it's it's not necessarily a healthy way to live. It's not. 
I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you. Like you can't, but you have to be able to channel that the correct way. Right. And like you said, there's a difference between the ego or the, the drive. Um, I think if you're pushing yourself to do something, not so much out of spite, but someone says you can't, you know, it's in you, you know, that beast still lives in you. Why not pull it out? You already, you know, it's a lot of it's putting it out into the universe too. Right. You, you think that thought you put that out it's there manifestation. and then it comes. Right. And you got to think, man, like, don't get me wrong. If I don't know how to do something, I'll tell you, I don't know how to do it. But like for you to just, you you literally just blatantly looked at my face and doubted me. Right. As a friend. <laughs> and, and yeah. And like, and I'm just like, damn, it's like, is he right? Or, or is this a question I have to ask myself and figure out myself? Cause here's the thing, man, since we're on this subject, a lot of people don't even know what the fuck they're fighting for, dude. People don't even know what the fuck they're competing for. Right. Is their purpose. And whatever their purpose may be, they got them as far as it did. Are you able to maintain or are you going to let it drift away? Where I lack is I know that I will find a purpose. I will set a goal and I won't fucking set new ones once I get there. And I think that as a fighter can be super deadly. What if you only think about being the champ, getting that belt you never dreamt about defending it. Yeah. That can be scary. What do you mean? You better pay attention to that because that's what you signed up for. Guess what? You're the man now. You got a target on your back. So if you don't think guys are training as hard as they need to to get past you, you need to be training just about as hard, if not harder, twice as hard. Right. Because you don't know what these guys are doing to prepare for you. And, you know, that's... That's that's life in general. If you're prepared and you're ready, you know, and you're where you need to be, the big problems aren't as big as what they really are. Right. I feel like you can face any obstacle, at least knowing. Right. And it may not work out in your favor, but, you know, I, I know at the end of the day, if I did my best and try to do everything in my power and that was it, um, you know, I, I just do what I can and everything else works itself out in the end. It, it might not be the outcome that I want, but, you know, it's everything has a reason, man. And you may not figure that out two weeks, two months, two years, 20 years down the road. But you look back on something because you're going to come across a situation that's similar and you're going to be like, OK, that's what that meant at that time that I didn't understand why I was frustrated, why I harbored so many resentments, why I was you know, caught up in a whole bunch of emotions that I didn't understand. How come I was being so cynical towards myself and beating myself up over something that I know I did my best at? Yeah. And it's simply just learn to forgive yourself. Right. And that's hard to do, man. Oh, 100%. 100%. You know, we have to live with ourselves. That's, yeah. That's a dangerous spot to be if you're not if you're not doing what you have to do, if you're not morally sound or whatever else, because... You know, you, you're always searching for something outside of yourself because you don't even know who you are, first of all. And then second of all, you're literally covering it up with a whole bunch of outside entities because you don't want to look at yourself. Right. And me and you both know that can be deadly. Right. It, that can, be, can, it be... can be drugs, alcohol, girls, money, right, work, whatever, a hobby. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and, and the crazy part is, is 
you know, there, there's been times where I'd go out and help other people go coach and do whatever. Cause I didn't want to look at my own shit. Right. It, it was, it, it's a distraction. I am huge on like ignoring shit and continuing to ignore it as if it's just suddenly not going to be there as if that problem's just not going to be a thing anymore, you know? And especially when it comes to issues or conflicts that I have with other people, dude, that, I mean, that can literally ruin a relationship, a foundation of, of help. And I can just destroy it in the matter of, of seconds. Yeah. Of course we can. Like I was very good at self-sabotage for years. Right. And I didn't make a lot of good decisions. Um, but you know, there's a difference between shelving it, not, not addressing it at all or being looking at it as like, is it that big of a deal that I need to address it right now? Or is it something small enough that it will pass? And it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And, and anyone with a clear mind, I think can prioritize what needs to be attended to what doesn't it's, are you going to do it? Yeah. But that's it, that gets hard when you get when emotions come into play. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, feelings are facts, but it, it still doesn't change how you feel about something at that time. So you always, me personally, I try to look at everything from a, a intellectual standpoint over an emotional standpoint. But sometimes it's not like that because you catch me in the right moment. I might my emotions might override all that, and I and I and I flake and I snap. And that's not that's not where I want to be as a person. That's not healthy. But I'm also human, right? So there's I, room for error. You no know, no doubt, no doubt. Let me ask you this then, kind of playing on the emotion topic. Do you think that intimidation tactics truly work before a fight? I mean, what from from your experience, from things that you've seen, um, what's your take on that? Are you one for for getting into the intimidation, or do you think that's some bullshit? I mean, if you if you want to play that card, you you better you better have a full deck. You know, I I mean nobody nobody's safe. You know, nobody's right. safe doing doing this stuff. Anybody has a puncher's chance. Anything can happen. You could get hurt off of. Um, you could throw, be chopping him with nasty leg kicks the whole time. He checks a kick and you snap your foot. Silva, Sean O'Malley. uh, Yeah. You're done. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are just examples, but you know, for me personally, I I don't necessarily, I never, I was never big on that. I never really, I never really talked a lot. There was one match that I talked, but that was, you know, most of the time you're quiet. The refs won't let you talk in wrestling. Right. But back when I even was even doing the underground fighting, guys would talk and sit there and talk shit to me. I treated it the same way. Well, we can talk before or after while I'm in there. I ain't got nothing to say. And and I really didn't buy into a lot of the stuff that people said beforehand, because I I remember kids would, you know, try to like intimidate me or say whatever. And or or people that I was fighting at the time would say whatever. Show me. Show me. Right. I don't, what do I have to, what do I have to sit there and get into any type of mental warfare with you when I'm already battling it with myself to, to get an edge? Right. That's Are you trying point. to get a rise out of me? What's the, what's yeah, the, what's the point? I mean, at the end of the day, you still, you still have to perform. You still have to perform. Yeah. So that's one less thing I have to focus on. But some people that's, that's what gets them to that level so they can perform. 
Right. You look at the, uh, for anyone listening, you, if you don't know Conor McGregor, you're living under a rock. I mean, look at him and, and Diaz. Diaz will talk shit, but when it came down to it, I feel like Diaz was ready for war. McGregor was ready to talk. And you kind of saw that outcome in both fights for the most part. You know, they took it to each other both times. Um, and that second fight, it was it was a good fight. What I will say, though, is there was a lot of barking. A lot of barking. Um, you see that with Conor McGregor no matter what fight he's in. Yeah, that's the mental warfare. And I think he, he it takes him to that level. Yeah. I, truthfully. Yeah. You see other people respond out of emotion and... That can that can that can be bad. Yeah, but he did all that. But let me make a let me make a solid point to you on this. Um, he had respect for Cowboy. He didn't say too much to Cowboy. That was awesome. And to guess see. what? The fight ended in forty four seconds. Yeah. And like, even though like I love Cowboy, I've always been a fan. He's on his way out. Yeah, and then there's nothing wrong with and that. No, he he's a he's a future Hall of Famer. He should just be one now. You know, he's paid his dues, whatever. But he, Connor came back and he was humbled by a lot. And he realized it's like, okay, maybe I need to change something about myself and get back to where I was kind of speaking about before. How, where am I to maintain where I was to get me to this level? And it's not, you can't maintain though. So you get to that level and you have to keep that in mind and say, okay, what got me here? But how can I build off that as well? Right. Because you always have to learn, you always have to get better, you always have to learn new skills, and as you get older, you you have to work around. You know, how much more technique do I need, rather than conditioning and force, to to maintain with some of these guys? Yeah, and simply just physical as well as mental, but physically your body changes. You know, and I you're seeing that with Cerrone. That fight, when Connor came out, I could tell when he was walking to the octagon that there was something different. Yeah, he was blank. In and I in a good way, I think in a in a completely good way. That just what we talked about earlier. You use that first round to kind of feel fighters out. With someone like Conor McGregor, you don't you get don't, to do that. You don't get a first round with some of these guys. And, and you get about ten seconds, maybe. But that's why you always have to be ready. You always have to protect yourself at all times. You know, there's there's these rules are set in place for a reason. The refs tell you stuff for a reason. Um, and you don't know where that person is mentally. You know, some some people, you know, I, there's been times where uh, I, I went in sparring and, you know, I, I, I didn't I didn't feel violent that day, but my mind did. Mm-hmm. And I and I had some good rounds with some with some tough guys, and um, you know it's it's just part of the game, man. Right. Have you ever witnessed some? I mean, I know you have, but you've seen some crazy ass injuries. I'm assuming, correct? Yeah, from wrestling and MMA. What are some of the craziest, in your opinion? Wrestling, I saw a guy snap his forearm in half. Oh, it, it sounded my. like a two by four cracking it went way and you didn't see what happened either the guy posted his arm um i i think he was the other guy was attempting a it was either i can't remember 
if it was a lateral drop or he was trying to switch off from a high crotch to a double and he posted his arm down and you just it sounded like a two by four literally cracked and you hear him screaming and you're like what happened and then the kid gets off of him and his and his arm his forearms literally dog-legged oh my gosh compound fracture um that's gnarly dude that's a gnarly break bro and it's just like shit um i i saw a fight two years ago and uh you know i follow i followed him before i seen the fight he has his own gym in mansfield his name is uh cody stevenson and he was uh, a guy out of strong style and the guy was a muay thai practitioner he he had a lot of you know he was very well-rounded and he had i'm pretty sure when he went into that fight he had like 25 plus fights under his belt professional fights and he's his back is against the cage no 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 the other guy's back is against the cage he's pressing and it looks like the guy's throwing a check right hook to get out from behind the uh his back off the cage to circle out and then you see his eyes swelled up and i was just like damn all right well the the doctor came in and looked at his eye and called the fight. And the crazy part was Cody was like pissed. He was really pissed. He wasn't even, he didn't stop fighting. He was pissed that he, they called the fight and come to find out. Like he like partially went blind in his one eye. Whoa. Yeah. And, it, and I guess a finger or something got lodged in it. I'm not a hundred percent sure what happened, but I was there watching it and I didn't think anything of it until the doctor came in and called the fight. I was like, damn, I said, I said, over his eye being shut? I didn't know that's what the case was. Right. I mean, he probably didn't either. Shit. No, no. You know, you you get into those points where even in sparring and rolling and stuff like that, um, your adrenaline's pumping. Yeah, you're you're not. The last thing you're thinking about is what's going to happen after. So you're like in this primal animalistic mode. You know, you don't. It's almost like animals in the wild, man, you know. Uh, and that's why people love it cuz it takes them back to like what humanity truly is. Right. For the athlete, for the fan. I mean, that's why it's it's a rising sport. It was rising. I feel like it's arrived. It's here. Right. This is one of the biggest sports in I mean, shit, th- this was the only thing open during the, right. the pandemic during uh during COVID. And they're putting out bangers. Yeah. They're constantly putting on good fights. That's it's just crazy to me. Um, I know for a fact that you have snapped a dude's leg before. What's the craziest injury you've inflicted on someone? Uh, yeah, you did snap his leg, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I <laughs> it wasn't even like anything. Yeah, for anyone listening, like he's not, he wasn't doing it to be an asshole. No, he smashed a cupcake into my face, and um. And this was also like around the time when I was like, yeah, I want to fight. You know, I was in that rehab center and he he was like messing with me. And the dude was like a meathead too. He was like walking around like 190 pounds, maybe like 5'10", 5'11". He smashed a cupcake into yeah. my face and I got pissed and I went to go like grab him and he like grabbed me and he thought it was funny to put my back against the wall. So I kicked, I kicked the wall to circle out of that and I lateral dropped him to his back and we get into this weird scramble and I don't even know what happened like my ass was in his face and his face my face was in his ass and I looked up and I remember seeing a leg and I grabbed it and it was like uh 
it was like an inverted ankle lock. And I grabbed his leg and I, I swear on everything. I felt like I did not put a lot of pressure on his leg and it just snapped. And I was like, oh shit, I broke his ankle. And he was calm as shit, but this sounded like how that kid's arm did. It, it yeah, sounded like yeah. a two by four snapping. I immediately dropped his leg. I was like, oh shit, like damn. And come to find out that he, uh, I, I uh, snapped his tibia and his fibia man in half and they had to put a steel rod into his leg and uh um a whole bunch of screws like 18 19 screws or some shit off of what felt like little to no pressure on your half no it didn't feel like anything it's crazy dude that's crazy you know i've broken somebody's ribs in uh wrestling tournaments and stuff like that and you know it's just part of the game dude and you don't you don't want to hurt anybody at you know sometimes you get hurt in competition sometimes you get hurt in practice that's just what happens your body just it has limits and we were talking about that before the show started is some of those injuries that that you take and like like you said like the ribs is not a joke like that it that sucks i don't know this is the thing i think a lot of people want to get into you know, training and practicing, whatever it may be. Um, and until they get hit or they get hurt, uh, and then they're done, you know, what would you, what's, what's your advice for anyone that's looking to get into mixed martial arts? I don't know. You kind of have to just embrace it. You know, I mean, since I started this, I started doing it the right way. Um, I, I have sprained both my ankles each ankle sprain, I was out of work for two weeks. So I wasn't able to bring any any money in to my household for two weeks. Life stops just like that. Yeah, and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, you know, I've broken ribs. I was I was actually roofing on broken ribs. Oh, uh, my. Um, at the time, it was okay. I was, uh, I was working for a mortgage bank, and uh, I was a mortgage banker for a little bit. And I was just like, man, I, I don't want to do this anymore. But my ribs still weren't healed, so I left and went back to work. On your Jay Kalina shit, huh? Yeah, I thought I thought it was okay, and uh, yeah, my ribs were my ribs were hurting, and I remember that. Um, I I sparred one day and uh, rolled one day up at the high school with the guys, and uh, you know my knee hurt, and I was like, I'll throw some ice on, I'll be cool. I woke up the next day, and it's literally like three times the size of what it is. And uh, they're like, yeah, you ruptured a bursa sac in your knee. I was like, oh, okay. They're like, we're going to drain it out. We'll send you home with some antibiotics. I was like, cool. And it literally didn't get any better. And I remember like the two nights leading up. So it happened on a Wednesday. I woke up on a Wednesday and it was like jacked up. I went into the doctor. So that Wednesday and Thursday night, um, I I was going to sleep like I was sick. Like I was getting like cold. I was like waking up in cold sweats, dude. And I was like feeling like shit. I was like, man, I'm like, I'm not feeling right. And, and my knee wasn't getting any better with the antibiotics. So I go back in. At that time, are you thinking it's related to the knee? Or are you just getting kind of scared? Well, I'm like, I know it's something with the knee, right? You know. And I go in there, and they're like, oh yeah, this uh, this bursa sac uh, turned into MRSA and it's septic. It's like we got to get you in there. And so. I was telling you about that too. So the hospital didn't even take my insurance. So I had to go drive to another hospital. Felt like I was dying. Right. That's fucked. And uh, so I get to the hospital and and the next day they slice me open. I'm in the hospital for five days. And that was a three week recovery, you know? And and 
I was fortunate enough that I got an awesome boss, man. And he came up and he knew he knows how I am. I'm going to, as soon as I'm able to kind of move, I'm going to go back to work. And he was like, he literally came up, he gave me some money for my bills and he was like, heal up, dude. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, man. So I, I couldn't have been blessed with that. That was, that was more than what I, than what I was asking for, you know? And, and, uh, I don't know though. The most recent one, was I was actually this is funny I don't even care talking about it so there's this uh, chick that comes up and trains at her gym and she's from Thailand little Muay Thai fighter okay and um, so we're sparring uh, I'd go out on Saturdays out uh, to my buddy DJ Yakabuchi he's got a gym out at Upgraded that's where's his, that at? that's his gym it's in Menor okay and uh, backstory on him the guy used to be a fighter out of uh strong style and he's got pictures with him with a strap already and like a, a younger stipe like with him and uh actually i have a, a buddy that works at strong style but keep going and we we just got to you know and i i've more of his backstory he was actually a bodybuilding coach he was a he walked away from fighting became a, a bodybuilding coach and he was coaching one of my buddies that i used to wrestle with and hang out with for years and um he uh so this guy's like five six and a half and his biggest he was like 250 now he whoa yeah so now he's like 210 pounds and, and the crazy part is he moves like i do he's he's literally a muscle hamster and every time is he older 34 35 okay, okay. And, uh, nah, but he, he's, a he's actually in fight camp right now. He's flying down to, uh, Florida, Florida, Alabama, South Dakota, Iowa, and one other spot are the only places that have MMA open right now. So he's actually flying down to Tampa here in like two weeks to go take a fight, but we go out and spar at his gym and, uh, you know, so he's got a cage and, like 20, 30 people show up at this gym. Oh, shit. And so he's got a cage and he's got an upstairs. And it'll be as many people can fit into this cage and then the people go upstairs. So you're literally kickboxing with as much space as like maybe a circumference of like five feet. Close. Yeah. Right. And, and like you have to watch people backing into you and you getting ran into and whatever. Well, I tripped over somebody's foot. And, uh, I, I was sparring, I was sparring Jagra and then she came in and she caught, she caught me with a solid hook, right, right, right on the money. I was like, okay, nice shot. But it, it jacked up my jaw a little bit. I was like, not even mad at it. So mm-hmm. she was one half of this injury. The next guy, he's a light heavyweight. He's probably as tall as me. And, um, you know, he, he's sitting there southpaw in a cage and he looks like he's about to throw it too. looks like he's about to throw his power hand and he pulls it right at the last second and he brings it down and throws a snap kick right across my jaw after I got hit. So my jaw got dislocated. Oh my. So I leave and I'm hungry. I, I was sitting there like my girl's like, let's go get some food. I'm like, all right, let's go get some food. And we're on our way to this Mexican place we always go to in Westlake. And I live over in Cleveland, you know. Mm-hmm. I uh, literally had a bite. My teeth weren't even lining up when I when I was biting down. So I had to, like, adjust it to the point where my teeth were kind of aligned. And I had to bite down while I had to push my jaw back up into place. 
bro, that's not even worth it. Oh, I'd have been yeah. like, yo, put this shit in a blender and bring it back to no, me. <laughs> no, I wasn't even doing all that, dude. I was just like, I got to eat. I'm not going to the hospital. It's I'm like, it's not that bad. I'm sitting there telling myself, I'm like, it's not that bad. You're, you're good, oh, dude. My. Just shove it back in and eat. Answer this. Probably the most uncomfortable meal you've ever had. Wasn't terrible. <laughs> oh, my. No, I've had worse. Like, nothing... I mean, anytime you want to eat something after like getting a tooth pulled or something like that, that's terrible. You know what I'm saying? Because you're just like, you, you literally got something cut open in your mouth. My jaw's just not working. As long as I can like munch it down a little bit enough to get it down, I'm cool with it. That's so wild, bro. So Crazy. That's, so that's like, you know, those are things you have to take into consideration. You know, you get hurt. And a lot of the times a guy, guys that train or they do fight, or if they do go into the fight, very rarely are you completely a hundred percent, which is normal. Yeah. Something's always going to hurt right now. Like Eric Burnett, like how he runs Illyria, like he made a point and he made this point when I was younger and he made this point when, uh, when I was there recently, you know, these guys, they'll hurt and they'll be like, Oh, I, I can't wrestle coach or I can't do this. Now there's a difference between wrestling or competing hurt or injured. You're injured. You're injured. You right, know, it, right. everybody's going to hurt. Everybody's going to be, uh, you know, lethargic from a weight cut, you know, but these are things you have to push past. If you can't push past that, what the fuck are you going to compete for? You know, and you know that's a mental that's a mental thing you have to you have to overcome and sometimes it takes longer for people to find out like they're, they're gonna be like okay well i got to this point and they and they actually do get into uh you know in the competition and, and i've seen it happen where um they get a wake-up call they get a wake-up call. They realize what this is all really about. And I've seen people step away, and I've seen people uh, uh, flip the coin the other way and completely embrace it. And with them completely embracing it, that that's the, the stuff I was talking about that fuels that fire for them to get better. Like, I'm not going to let that happen again. Right. The... I guess, basically, like, I've... I've 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 watched this, you know, since I was a child. The craziest things for me are trying to put myself in the situation of like what happens when you get locked into that cage or, you know, that match starts and it's just you and your opponent and I feel like a lot of people their mind is their mind is clear. All that other shit is irrelevant and I think that there's probably some beauty there. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah, it's it's different, man. You know, um, and, and that's another thing. So say some of these guys, they really didn't have like a wrestling background. So they they never really have been on a floor of competition to the point where like, oh, shit, there's spectators. Oh, shit, there's people watching me. This is this is on my record now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, like you you become vulnerable to other people's criticism. And, and and nobody wants to fall short. But then again, you have to get to that point where, you know, nothing matters except for the guy in front of you. Um, there could be a napalm knife fight going on to the right and, and you can pay no attention. Anybody can be saying whatever. The only two things I listen to when I am competing is my coach and his coach. 
because that's yeah so if i can hear his coach so if i hear his coach i at least know what to prep for you know so i'm i'm trying to utilize what my coach is telling me but then again i know what's coming on his end because his coach is hollering it out but then again you don't know if that's if it's that dude's bread and butter right and he could just like that hit it and then but these are things you have to prep for so you you literally have you guys talking go ahead but do you guys talk in code like to prevent something like that or no is that just too much going on i've seen it happen i've seen it happen okay for the most part i i really you know i really never had an experience where it was code but i'm sure as you get into a level of you know, you, you want to pull a hat trick out. I mean, right. I'm sure hat tricks are put in code because not everybody uses the same terminology for things as well. You yeah, know? you're right there, too. So somebody could be, um, you know, talking about uh, throwing punches or sequences or what like wrestling moves. Some wrestling moves have like four or five different names or right. terminology for them. So you, you don't necessarily know. And, um, it, it's one of the, it, you just gotta be prepared for it. You know, nerve wracking fighting someone like, uh, Nurmagomedov where you don't know what the fuck they're saying over there. You're probably like, huh? <laughs> you know, but that, to their coach. yeah, but that's, you know, it's almost like when I, I make this joke and it's not even like trying to be funny about anything. Like if I'm out to dinner and there's a table there's a there's an american family and there's a foreign family i would much rather have the foreign family over there especially if the kids are yelling or screaming because i don't understand what they're saying so like so for my audible it gets blocked out right so i i'm able to focus on the task at hand so i'm more listening to my coach because i want to pay attention to what he's saying because he's seeing stuff that i'm not he's reading everything yeah. right he, he's he's basically the third-party spectator that I absolutely need. Now, that's just a bonus for me to hear the other coach. You know what I'm saying? Right, I don't right. I don't know how it's going to pan out, but at least by me kind of pre- mentally preparing for it. Yeah, picking I, up on this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, know, I know where I'm going to navigate from. I like that. Now, you coach yourself. How... How Because I think a lot of the times, the as a fan, you, you get so caught up on just the fighter that you don't always pay respect to the coach or the team that has brought that fighter to that point. Um, what are some things that you cherish most about being a coach or being coached? Man. As I've gotten older, I enjoy watching other people's successes more than mine. And that takes a certain type of person. Yeah, to, to 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 do that. I obviously want to do well, mm-hmm. but just to see somebody else to see that switch flip on, it's huge, man. You know, I, I've had I've been, I've had the pleasure of coaching some some high schoolers, and, and not only that, um, so I, I've been able to. I, I started a wrestling program that I kind of didn't finish. I, I'm not gonna lie, and it all started by me coaching a couple high schoolers up at Hooligans. And this family came in, um, Turkish family, very nice, very nice family comes in. They, they bring in six of their boys. And so there was like their, um, 
like brothers and cousins and stuff like that, you know? And so they come in and, um, young kids. Yeah. Young, little, little kids, like six to 10 years old. Oh, and so, I, yeah, so I'm in there and they don't know, they don't, they don't know anything. So I just started teaching them fundamentals. And, um, you know, this was, I, I did this because they came up while I was coaching the high schoolers. Well, an old buddy of mine, uh, Zach Reyes, who's currently, you know, he, he's basically got the, uh, the youth wrestling program over at hooligans. Now it's just, uh, for me helping out at Illyria, being a volunteer coach and, and focusing on what I have to do. That was probably the best thing that happened. Mm-hmm. He literally, me and him used to get drunk when we were younger and wrestle each other and like house parties and like tear up people's living rooms for no reason. So like he comes in and he was like, Hey man, he goes, do you mind if I come in and help out and bring my son up here? I was like, yeah, sure. And, uh, he literally turned that program into what it is by the structure he gave it. You know, he was able to pull resources and, and everything else. And so when he came in, these kids had no experience and, but, we we taught them right we were able to give them and we would condition them harder than i've seen high school wrestlers get conditioned and they're out there and they're outperforming people off of endurance off of off of strength off of skill these kids are six months six months wrestling and, and they're which isn't up, long at all. Which isn't long. I mean, this is literally a, a very long endeavor in life if you want to get anywhere on a high level. Um, and, and they're beating guys that that have experience. They, that has to be the best feeling it's as awesome. a coach to watch that happen. It's awesome. And, and the best part is, is that you know that they care because when they take a loss, they take it to heart. They take it home with them. They, they And I remember those times where you would – where you would lose and, and you would feel some type of way and you'd just be like, and you'd be down on yourself, but you had to, you had to snap out of it because you had another match coming up. You had to do what you had to do. So you're like, man, it's like, I got to get back from that. I'm like, I'm not going to go out like this. And sometimes right. it doesn't go that way. And, and being a coach, sometimes you take some of those losses home with them. You're, sometimes I make a bad call. Sometimes a coach makes a bad call. And you know, as a coach, you got to turn around and be like, that was my fault. That wasn't your fault. You did what I asked you to do, and it didn't work. And, and you know, you got to let them know that sometimes. Yeah, especially dealing with kids. Yeah, right. I mean, man, I think that, and that's why it takes such a special person to to do that job. Um, I know it's got to be very rewarding watching that all come together just perfectly, and especially when. It's, it's something you're passionate about and you're passing that on to them. Right. Just like you said, you know, you in particular are not in for the, you know, the statues and the, you know, long live the glory. Right. But if, if you can be remembered when they're your age right. and they, and, and even if it's simple as just them hearing your voice in the back of their head as they're coaching, right. they're, they're, they're up and coming class. That makes it all worth it. That's how Eric Burnett was for me, man. I remember I remember him being he would always preach. He'd be like, Man, it's the little things. It's the little things that matter. It's it's doing these little things that get you better. And um, you know, I I went out there, he had a camp like two, three weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I go out there and we're sitting there talking and uh and, and it was almost like he was he was like 
a prolific genius. Like now that like I sit there and why, and he even made a point. He goes, man, he goes, I remember when I was at Clarion cause he wrestled uh, at Clarion in in the eighties and they were or early nineties and they were pro, they were a very good team, you know? And he goes, I remember my coach at Clarion. He goes, I, I thought he didn't know what he was talking about. He goes, as I've gotten older, he goes, I realize the guy's a genius. Makes it all worth it. Yeah. It's just sweet to even hear that. Right. And, and, and it's true, you know, and even with the coach that, I ended up with it hooligans, you know, I, I pulled up there and the guy, the guy that told me about the place, he posted something on Instagram or Facebook. I can't remember. I said, what's going on? I'm like, what's up with that gym? So let me come check it out. And I came on the ass end of a day and he was like, there's really no time to train. And he comes out, he's got a, a thick red beard, a scally cap on. Looks, looks like a, a realistic boxing coach that comes out of the movies <laughs> or something. It's right. funny. The irony in it. Right. And, and I, and I talked to him for 10 minutes. And I already, knew, I'm a pretty good judge of character and I already knew, I just had a feeling like, yeah, this is where I need to be. Right. This is where I need to be. I didn't even look any place else. I could have, I could have just, been absolutely. Like, I could have been like, you know, if I'm going to pursue this seriously, but there was, there was a, there was an understanding that was made within 10 minutes and, um, you know, you're putting a lot of faith in them too. Right. You know, a, a, anywhere you go, you have to trust them and trust that they're going to always have you in their best interest. Yeah, guide you in the right direction, make sure that their calls are sound and just. You know, I mean, you can't you can't put the fate of what you're doing in somebody's hands that that is not that isn't sound. You know, they have to they have to be sound. But they have to be not only realistic about what can be done and what can't be done, but be willing to, you know, console you if you need consoled, but push you through a damn wall if they have to. Right. And, uh, you know, both of those guys, uh, saw me through some tough times. Eric, Eric went to bat for me multiple times when I was younger. Cause I was just a knucklehead kid. And then, uh, Chris, man, he, he was there for, um, some dark times, you know, with uh, a couple of close friends dying and everything else. And I was just in a weird spot. And I literally went up there and there was times where like, you know, I, I look back on it today and I, and I definitely think being at that club at that time and um, having an understanding of like what was going on there and what he was trying to do and how he was helping me, like, kept me sober when I was, when I was potentially in, saved your life. Yeah. in in early sobriety, cause I didn't know my head from my ass. I was trying to figure it out and I just kept getting like, you know, life, life on life's terms. And I really didn't know how to handle it, but I had some place where I can escape and, and cut loose. So I, I could think clearly. That's awesome. And somebody that turned around and was able to give me perspective. And, you know, Eric does the same thing. We'll get done with a hard practice and, and, He'll stand up. The guys will be sitting down. He'll be standing up talking to the whole team. And he'll be talking about, and he makes a point to tell them, like, I'm only telling you from my experience. Right. So, he's not making up bullshit. No, he's literally telling them from a genuine place of what it is. And that's all I can do as a person anyways, in anything, in helping somebody who's trying to get sober, in, in helping somebody that's trying to learn and coach. I can't. I can tell you what not to do and what may help, you know, but I don't have all the answers. 
a lot of the times this stuff, you kind of just figure it, figure it out along as you go, because there's always going to be a learning curve, but it's like, okay, how am I going to be able to handle this learning curve or adversity or all these other things when it, when it arises, when it really matters. Right. right. I think that's awesome. Um, and I think it's even cooler to see where you go, one, as your own fighter, and two, as a coach, you know? Uh, I think a lot of fighters, they, they're they living in the moment, which you should. Um, and then afterwards, there's just not, there's not anything else. They're, that's either all they know, or it's all they had planned to know. And whether it's an injury, or it's just simply time to retire, I think coaching could be a good way to still stay involved, give back that knowledge that you've acquired over the years. Uh, it's just, it's, it's awesome the way that that all works out. But a lot of these guys, the, the, those are the, those are literally probably the two options, you know, because you could fall into, because a lot of people, they, they lose themselves in this, you know, and then they get to a point where they're like, what's left in life? You know, what, what am I going to do? But that comes down to having like an inner peace with yourself and having some sort of contentment. Like, right. Like there is there is nothing that is forever. There is nothing that's forever. But you know what? I'll be damned if I didn't give it a good run. You know, everyone's going to have regrets or past or, you know, uh, um, uh, fear repeating the past mistakes, you know, but um, you, you can't hold on to them to the point where like you're having anxiety over the future. You know, you don't know where you don't know where life's going to take. And you're and honestly, there's nothing you can do to fucking control that. No. You know, you don't know the future. There's nothing. you. I mean, there there are things you can do. You know what I mean, though? Right. Um, and, and yeah, it for people like me and you, I think we were forced to learn those lessons for people that, that we call normies or just normal people. Uh, sometimes they're not. Life isn't thrown at them as, as, as hard and so fast, and you don't have to learn that lesson immediately. So if it happens slowly, if it happens over time, it kind of creeps on you. It takes you over, and it can get just as dark as our rock bottoms have been, you know? And I always try to give people perspective on that, you know? But you never know what somebody's going through. You're right. You know, people, people everyone battles things in life. And not everybody's cut from the same cloth to handle shit the same way. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, something that is not of a big deal to you may be a huge one to somebody else because that's, that's the heaviest shit that they've ever had to deal with. You know, some stuff that people complain about, I look at them and it's just a drop in the bucket. Right. And I'm just like, but then again, I have to realize it's like, People haven't been down the road I have, and I'm not better than anybody else. And I try not to, you know, judge or be one of those guys. But then again, it's like, I almost get, I almost get like the standpoint where I'm just like, if I, if I can get past all this, it's like, well, why are you, why are you staying so stagnant and, and you're so scared to excel or, or get past it? But then again, nobody People don't figure out who they are until times get tough. Right. Until they're faced with adversity or something is thrown in your path where you find out quick. Because you have to. Right. You have to. If if your back's against the wall, 
you know, I mean, they're, they're human characteristics that, that are primal traits and it's fight or flight. Which one are you? You know, you got to ask yourself that at the end of the day, it's, it's what are you willing to do or what are you willing to lose? Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Everything in life. It's just, it's crazy. And I don't think that, I think I'm guilty of not asking myself that enough. You know, what am I willing to do or what am I willing to lose? That's a, that's a great point. But a lot of it comes down with, you know, how you see yourself as a person. Are you doing the right thing or not? And, and are your problems as bad as what they are? And, and to be honest with you, the big thing about that is I have to look at where my gratitude and my perception is on life. You know, am I grateful for all these things? Like, dude, when I, when I first was getting sober, I was homeless, sober, homeless. I had a roof over my head when I was, when I was out there ripping and running. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Yeah. And then I, I didn't know where I was going to get my next meal because I was, because I was suffering from what they call 24 karat problems. I built my life up and I got, I got these things that I thought like, if I get all this materialistic or, or things in my life, my life's going to be okay. Then I realized, you know, classic biggie quote, mo money, mo problems fact you know what i'm saying so you got to figure it out you're like damn it's like i I have rent to pay i have this i have that but when you know you like i've built up my life and brought it back down so many times that it was just normal it was just normal for me to get like to have all the like a whole bunch of materialistic stuff and then lose it because i didn't care in the way i was living i do it three four times over bro right and 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 like you said that's that self-sabotage bro yeah. It's it's crazy. I should have a doctorate in it. I studied it <laughs> way too long. But, you know, eventually it gets to a point where it's like, man, I'm just sick of selling myself short. So it's like by any means necessary, I, you know, everything's going to work itself out, but it's not going to change how I feel about the the situation at the time at hand. It, it's just things that I I try to um, you know, hold on to and, and to keep me grounded. Because there, there's a lot of things in life that I, I don't necessarily like, but that's that's life. That's life. I just have to be able to handle it in a civil manner. Or accept it. Yeah. Acceptance yeah. is huge, man. And make sure I'm not holding expectations on, on stuff that I don't need to of people, of how things need to go. Because at the end of the day, if if something doesn't go as expected... I can't get resentful, remorseful, bitter, jaded about these things. Those are the type of things that will keep people in a dark place and they don't even know it because they feed into that. It becomes normal yeah. at some point. Oh, absolutely. You live with that darkness long enough, you you get used to it. Right. And it can be toxic for you and everybody around you. No doubt. That's, uh, yeah, we got deep there. I like that. Um. What uh, what's next for you? What are you, what are your what are your plans with everything? Well, I had my knee and it was messed up and everything else, and um, you know, I I was actually shooting for a fight in March, and then all this stuff with COVID happened, and um, so you know um. Just because the world stops in quotation marks, you know what I'm saying, doesn't mean I am, 
So I, I still kept training. I still doing. I was still staying active and, and doing what I when I could to be relevant. Because I know when the time comes, I better be ready. Because I know there's other guys out there working, and I see them working. Right. So I don't know what necessarily is going to happen when they're going to open up MMA. But I did, I did register uh, and got a boxing license. Oh, nice. So um, I was actually shooting for something October 10th. Um, so MMA, I would be, I walk around at like 148, 152. And I was looking to box at 141 because I fight MMA at 135. Okay. And, and that's what the plan was. And like me personally, if I wouldn't have got hurt and if COVID wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be surprised if I would have three, maybe four fights under my belt already. Cause I, I would have been chasing it. If I didn't get really hurt, I, I would have ran it back. The state of Ohio, the statute on when your next fight can be is eight days. Whoa. I did not know that. So I can make a turnaround in eight days if I wanted to, if there was an open spot on a card. For either sport? Uh, for MMA, I know for sure. Boxing, it might, wow. I, I'm not sure about eight boxing. That's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. But that's good, though. I mean, if you don't get hurt and you cut all that weight and you're already conditioned in the camp, why not? Because sometimes guys will call, promoters will call gyms and they'll be like, hey, we need a guy. You got a guy that's ready right. at short notice? He's warm. Let's go. And, yeah. And, the most they have to do is make a weight cut. Look what happened with Masvidal and Usman. Masvidal, six days notice, right. cut 20 pounds. That was grueling on him. Did you watch it? I watched that video. Oh, my gosh, Yeah, but dude. you know what? He didn't look like he cut 20 pounds in six days when he fought Usman. Mm -hmm. But he also didn't have a full camp. I feel like if he would have had a full camp, it would have been a different story. Fact. You know, but Usman likes to hug people. You know, he, he foot stomp and hug people. And right. like, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's entertaining to watch, but it's like, it, again, you, you have to do everything by any means necessary to win. Mm -hmm. And he knew that was going to, he knew if he ground, if he was going to sit there and grind on him, he was going to be able to beat him. Crazy how that works. If you could fight anyone in the UFC, who would it be? Oh shit. Yeah. So many options. I guess. Yeah. Main and your weight class. I'm trying to think what would be a solid matchup to the point where, like, yeah, like for for the experience that I have, but I would be game anyways, man. It wouldn't matter. Yeah, I, I would do it because I'm. Yeah, because I'm stupid like that, dude. The guy could outclass me all day, and it's like, well, he's gonna have to show me, you know. Um. <laughs> To be honest with you, um, I wouldn't mind an O'Malley. Yeah? Yeah. That would be a badass Because I don't like to distance fight. I don't like to distance fight, so I'm always closing the gap. Um, I, I, I'd rather dirty box and, and like, uh, you know, like grapple wrestle. Uh, and not gra uh, grapple box and stuff like that, throw an underhook and, and exchange stuff off of an un underhook or overhook or stuff like that, um, fight on the inside and, and just grind you out. Um, I don't think O'Malley has honestly had a true grappler yet. No, he hasn't. No, he I, hasn't. I mean, he definitely had people to suit his style. Um, and O'Malley always talks about, like, 
oh, everyone thinks I'm just stand-up. No, I've seen his ground. grappling videos. They're not bad. Right, He's right. lanky. You get you get wrapped up. Okay, I'm 5'8". I'd be fighting 135. He's 5'11 with, with a... With some serious reach. Stupid reach. Right. But that... that also goes hand in hand with grappling too. You get a guy with long limbs that knows jujitsu, you can get caught real quick. Yes. So you have to Look be at able. Nate Diaz with those long ass legs, same dude. Same thing. Same thing. And you got to think he was fighting fifty five. He was fighting fifty five, and that's so you're jumping from fifty five to seventy. That's a fifteen pound weight difference and a and a huge height gap. A lot of those guys that are walking around at lightweight. Are no more than five ten, right? You know, I think I think Diaz is what six one. I'm almost he's positive. Tall. I think he's my, he is six one. He's the same size as me, and that, I mean, that's big. In that weight, like yeah. that's big. That's yeah. a big ass dude. No doubt, no doubt. But then again, like, um, it, it's just something you you know you don't know what's gonna happen. That's why you got to stay prepared. Yeah, so, like, to go back to what you were saying, like, for me, I'm just waiting for everything to open back up. I mean, me and my coach were kind of talking about um, possibly going out of state somewhere, but everything's minimum, like, six hours. Iowa, North Dakota, you know. They're making a little trip. Alabama, Florida, like, all these places that, that you're making a road trip or you're taking a flight, and it is what it is. Right. I mean, it'll definitely be exciting to see um, – a few more things I want to ask you before we end today. We'll get right back into it. So if anyone is looking to get into MMA, wrestling, anything like that, um, where where can they go? I've been training out of Hooligans Boxing and MMA. Um, it's in North Ridgeville. Uh, Chris Cox is a coach there. Um, I mean, he's he's definitely... A person that I, I look for, forward to speaking to all the time, but not only that, but um, I, I cherish as a mentor. Uh, you know, he he's very realistic. Everything he shows is combat effective. It's no Mick Dojo. You know, everything is going to be what you're going to need for self defense. Um, especially a, a lot of women have been going there because of the self defense that he teaches. Because you see all the crazy stuff that happens out in the world, man. Seriously. I mean, it's easy to be afraid, too, when you see some shit like that. It's better to be, you know, at the end of the day, to stay stay to say... Uh, stay safe. To stay safe, you need to be dangerous. Right. So, I'm glad that he uh, put into a format that is able to help people. You know, and, and he's very understanding and he and he's just like a guy's guy, man. You know, he, he came from, you know, uh, Lorraine. He's just a street dude, but he he doesn't he doesn't look past anybody. He sees potential in everybody, which is which is awesome. You know, and, and him and his wife and the people that are there, there that's home. That's that's home base. That's family. And um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I got my start. Uh, through wrestling I got that through uh, Eric Burnett and Burnett Burnett trained wrestling and and guys that are in his program Um, I remember watching one of the coaches that's there now Paul Felton when I was young watching him wrestle and uh, there was another guy that was in there 
helping the high schoolers when I, and he's still there is Jack Gillespie. And that guy goes all the way out of his way to help guys out. And, um, you know, they definitely make a lot of sacrifices to see other people achieve on top of their own. Mm-hmm. So that that's cool to watch. And, um, um, yeah, I got a, I got a home out on the East side too. I go to upgrade industries out in Mentor. um, DJ and Kevin and Jerry and all those guys out there, man, you know, we, we started, uh, you know, I went up there, he invited me out one time and they've always shown me nothing but respect and hospitality. And, um, that's huge. You know, um, it, it says something because, you know, people come and go out of gyms and, and people change too. And I've never seen any of the people that I just mentioned switched up. And that's super important. Like if, if you're looking to get into that, that's, that's huge. You need someone that's always going to be solid, always be a hundred percent. Right. And that helps though, because you know, it's, uh, to have somebody who's transparent and vulnerable as, as for you to be that way, it's good to have those people that way as well, because that way, you know, where you're going. It's like me trying to get to Florida without an address on a GPS. Where am I going? Right. You know, I, I don't have, I don't know where I'm going, but if I have some guidance, I know how to get there. Some direction. Yeah. Right. And, um, no, they're, they're solid people. And, uh, I've been, uh, starting this journey, you know, two years ago and, and not even having a fight, not even having a fight yet because I've been dealing with personal issues, health issues, um, you know, um, all this pandemic stuff, uh, I still treated everything like I had one coming up. And even when I, even when it's not in the cards, I still treat it that way. And I'm just glad that there's people there that understand that. And they're like, yeah, just come on and do what you have to do. And we're here for you. Yeah. And that, and that makes so much difference. And as the fighter to just always be prepared, you know, stay hungry. Like you got to fight the next day. I mean, right. that's, that's, huge so when when my time comes you know i was impatient i was impatient it's like man i just want to fight but everything happens at the time it does for a reason Absolutely. so i i have to sometimes just sit back and you know whether it's god uh higher power universe whatever I, i'm not i'm not any of those things i'm just a guy and i just got to handle my business and everything will work itself out I love to hear that, man. Um, thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, we'll definitely have to do this again. Oh, and... no doubt. And there's a couple more things I want to just plug real quick. Not a big oh, yeah, deal. for sure. Um, I want to give a shout out to my sponsors, uh, Advent Fine Jewelry and Piercing out in Tremont. My boy, Aaron M. Uh, he's been doing it for 10 years. He's solid, man. He, he's, got, he's got his craft down to a T. And he knows exactly how to not only be efficient in what he does but his customer service and his knowledge on the human anatomy is phenomenal he he definitely um is meticulous about what he does um i got my buddy dick rafael out of dick whip um he takes care of yeah i said dick whip <laughs> he died, yeah yes. um he's all organic um and natural uh cbd uh he takes care of my topicals my tinctures um, anything and he's got stuff for pets man he's very he he's another guy that takes uh a lot of pride in his craft all these guys do every guy that i'm mentioning right now and then peninsula construction the guy i'm working for curtis mans um 
he, you know, it not only not only has that man been an awesome boss to me, and he's been get and he helps me out and he gives me time when I need time and he understands what this sport means to me and, and uh, what I do, um, but he's he's a true skilled craftsman and he's shown me a lot along the way and um you know i've always been around people uh my whole life um that i've always had positive male role models that you know were that were very very good people that took pride in what they do and they try to pass it on Right. And, you know, and these guys have all done that for me, um, you know, as a friend side, as, as um, what they do uh, in business and everything else, they take pride in their craft. And I feel like nowadays that's very far and few between with a lot of people. Yet so and, cherished when you find that person. Right. You know? Right. And uh, no, that's it, man. So uh, if you guys want to follow me, uh, follow me on Instagram. It's Murda, M-U-R-D-A underscore S-G. And uh, you'll see everything on there. You'll be able to follow my sponsorships, upcoming fight news and everything like that. And um, no, that's it for me, man. I, I appreciate you having me on and saying you want me back on. You know, I'm just a guy, dude. I, no, for real, I'm not, I'm not shit. I'm not nobody. I'm just trying to be a, a solid member of society and make up from all the times in my past when I was just a scumbag. Hey, I think we both are, brother. And on that, I mean, that's why we relate. That's 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 where we have. That's how we met. Realistically. Right. Yeah. No um, doubt. And I think that that's something that we could make a whole episode about is a, a whole other side of our lives that people don't see on that day to day basis. Yeah, and you know, a lot of the times you don't even. It's not meant for people to understand sometimes as well. Right. Sometimes you just gotta. You know, go about your day, and if somebody picks up on something that that is just how you uh, how you go about living your life, it's and they take it with them on a positive note. Sometimes that's that's all that you kind of hope for. Right, absolutely. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Mindify Crash Podcast. We'll catch you next week.